Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 is now the next aspect of the Lord's Prayer that we're looking at today. And like we've been doing for several weeks, again, instead of just reading the one verse, which is the theme of our sermon today, I want us to go and, and read and actually pray this prayer as we read it together. And in your, in your bulletin, there is a small sheet uh, of the Lord's Prayer. Let us all stand in reverence for the reading of God's Word. And let us read this prayer together as a prayer, okay? Let me go. Ready? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father God, we thank you for your word. But we thank you specifically for teaching us how to pray. Lord, we forget Number one, to pray, because we allow the focus of the world to draw us away from your presence. And we sit in anxiety and worry and fear and anxiety and just focus more on ourselves and what the world tells us we need rather than coming to you and depending upon your provision. Lord, I pray that as we focus on verse 12 of chapter 6 here, to God, you would teach us what it means to be forgiven, but that you'd also teach us how to pray for forgiveness. This is a sign of humility and a sign of dependence upon your gospel, your plan of salvation, your will to redeem us as fallen sinners. And oh, what a powerful prayer. And so, God, this morning I pray that you would pour into us your spirit, that you would fill this place with your presence, and that we would know that we are loved, that you grant us forgiveness. And, Lord, that we would understand that. Teach us how to pray this, how to fervently and honestly and genuinely pray for forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. With what has happened in our country this year, not just uh, all the turmoil of the economy and, of course, COVID-19 and all this, the political climate in our society uh, has reached a dangerous, dangerous place to where people will not even talk with one another simply because of their political bent. Isn't that just crazy? And this week, of course, there are some who are rejoicing in the results of the national election. There are some who are not rejoicing. There are some who are actually angry and they refuse to talk to anyone else who does not think like them or agree with them. And there is not one hint of harmony there. To the point that really they're so offended at someone else's belief system 
and political ideals, they are so offended, they don't even know how to reconcile. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. But greater than even what's happening in our world and our country right now, there is a greater need for all of humanity, and that is our eternal struggle with sin. So in comparison to whatever is causing people turmoil this week, there is a much bigger picture at play. Amen? And let's take a look here at what Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Remember, this is the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching how to pray. And now we are in verse 12, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. You may have people in your lives right now that you want nothing to do with, whether it be a family member, a friend, or a former friend, or a co-worker, and a boss, an acquaintance, somebody that you say, they have offended me so much, I want nothing else to do with them. I think this prayer is important because this is a prayer, because remember, prayer is a communication to God, but it is more than that. It is just being in His presence. The, even if you do not have words to give to God in prayer, just sitting in silence and saying, Dear God, love me in this moment. I have no words. That is just as much prayer as anything else. And if we have no words, maybe we can just sit and say, Dear God, I, I'm so much of a sinner. I'm just sitting here asking you, Lord, forgive me and just show me that I am. That would be an amazing prayer. So the scriptures indicate throughout, I mean, all of the Bible indicates, you can look and find many, many passages that indicates a number of considerations that need to be taken into account if we were to offer the kind of prayer that God desires from us. Remember, the, the, the first and only prayer that God hears, according to scripture, is that prayer of humility and repentance. Any other prayer before that Scripture makes it clear, God does not hear the prayer, and the, and the language is the wicked. He hears the prayer of the righteous, and the only way that we can even be righteous is in the blood of Christ, through that humble, broken, repentant, made new, through the blood of Christ state. We are only counted as righteous through faith, and that faith is in Jesus Christ himself. And so the, the prayer that God desires is the desire of a genuine prayer, right? See, Jesus is showing us in this passage as he's teaching his disciples and actually as he's teaching us, his church, what type of attitude and form of prayer that God really desires. That's what this, that's what this model prayer is. It is a prayer that God desires. It's not necessarily the liturgical recitation of the words as much as it is the heart of the one who is praying, right? If the heart is not in this vein, if the, if the prayer of the heart, in other words, if the desire of the prayer is not in the framework of this model prayer that Jesus is teaching us, then Scripture says that God does not hear it. Now, I use the word desire here because God is not commanding 
that the one praying speak only these words in a particular way, nor that the one praying has to be this some mystical mouthpiece of God that we get possessed by. But instead, desire implies a passion of the true heart. And if God desires that we pray a certain way, and if God has a desire that our heart be genuine, then this prayer of forgiveness must be a prayer from the genuine heart. Let me remind you of that. How many people do we know? Some of you in this room may be that way. Dear, you say, Pastor, yeah, I'm forgiven. I prayed the prayer. My mama sat and told me what to pray, and so we prayed, and so I must be good. Amen? How many people have, been, have ever been through what has been called the sinner's prayer? If you just do the formula and you say the words, then you're good. And then somebody checks off their evangelistic checkoff box. Yet the prayer was not genuine from the heart. I want to emphasize this important point because when we get to verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, if we say the words and it does not match up with the desire of our heart, which actually is God's desire, then this prayer is invalid. Amen? Or oh me. Right? If the words and the expression of the one praying are not truly their own words, if that willing petition of the heart is not in accordance with God's will, and God's will is that we would pray this prayer of forgive me, then the prayer is not genuine, and it's not a genuine petition of God's heart. So the first thing that we learn in this model prayer is that prayer must be according to God's will. And oh, what, what a greater will of God than this that we pray this prayer, forgive us our debts, dear Lord. 1 John chapter 5, uh, verses 13 through 15, reminds us here of what the genuine prayer of forgiveness should be. John tells us in 1 John chapter 5, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Amen? There's, there's points in this prayer that you can't say amen. That's okay. All right? He says, and in this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And so when Jesus is teaching us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, are we praying according to his will? If we are, then we are assured that he has heard us. And if we are, then God is, he takes joy in answering this prayer, right? So it's important that we understand that the primary and the first concern of God's will before we pray, we have to understand what is God's will before we pray this prayer, right? The f- John here helps us see that this prayer of forgiveness is the one prayer that God wants all to pray. We look here at 1 Timothy chapter 2. We looked at this Wednesday night. If you were here Wednesday night for prayer meeting, we had a great prayer meeting, didn't we, guys? We looked at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And if you want to turn there, please do so. 
Because this tells us what God's desire is, especially in prayer. 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And actually, I sent this passage out for folks uh, this week right after, or actually during and right after the election, because it makes sense here. Here's what Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says, beginning in verse 1, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for who? All people. For kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And here in verse 3 is the important word. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what is God's will? What is his desire? His desire is that all would be saved and that all would come to the truth. But the reality is not all will. And this is why when we pray this prayer, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. This is God's will that we pray this, but not out of our own will, but out of His. A genuine desire for forgiveness. Now, the next important thing of of, of the prayer here that we need to remember is that godly prayer is that of faith. Praying within God's will is primary first, and then the the next thing right alongside of that is that this prayer must be that of faith. Without faith, that God is listening, much less that he will answer the prayer. A prayer is not in agreement with his will, nor is it in agreement with what Jesus is teaching here, right? Now, at the same time, if our prayer doesn't line up with this, it's weak. Here's what Jesus tells us here in Mark chapter 11. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's an act of faith. Faith, number one, that Jesus has paid the price for your sin and now you have access to the Father in prayer. And when you pray, and this is what Jesus teaches us in Mark 11, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, the the prosperity gospel folks have taken this so out of context that they have thrown away the first part that we talked about. The prayer must be in God's will. Right? And He will give you what you ask because it's His will that you asked. (laughs) Amen. And so these words of Jesus remind us that when we come to God in prayer, there's a boldness here. More specifically, when we pray for His forgiveness, if we don't have this attitude, this faith, that whatever we pray, we will receive it, we're not going to receive forgiveness. What are we praying for here in Matthew 6, verse 12? We're praying for forgiveness and forgive us our debts. If the person praying that prayer does not genuinely believe that God will hear that prayer and actually give forgiveness, then the prayer is mute. Amen? Y'all can say amen. See what we're saying? Because how many people have come to this prayer or have been led in this prayer and they had no genuine faith that number one, God was hearing it, and number two, God will answer it? Dear God, forgive me my sins. Oh, I don't really believe you will. What kind of prayer is that? It's not a genuine, heartfelt prayer. So when we pray, verses Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, and forgive us our debts, do we genuinely believe 
Do we have faith that God is hearing it and that he will forgive? If not, it's just words. So the model prayer here ties into faith that it will happen. Now let's take a look here at verse 12, and and I also want to tie in verses 14 and 15 as well. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Verse 12, 14, and 15 tie together. But if you notice in, in more modern translations, you have in verse 12 the translation of debt, and in verse 14 you have the translation of trespasses. Now the King James Version, I think, uses trespasses throughout a lot of this. But I want us to take a look here And what is the difference between a debt and a trespass? Because some may think that there's something different, but they're really the same thing from two perspectives. I want us to understand what is the difference between a debt and a trespass. There's two distinct Greek words here. The King James Version translates these two words the same as trespasses. So when you look at verse 12, uh, it's the same as verse 14. But there's a slight difference, and I'm not going to get into a, a Greek syntax today, but I want us to understand a little bit about what's going on. The idea of debts here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 is the same idea that Paul addresses in Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. This will help us understand what this means. If you want to flip there, you can. If you just want to listen, you you can't tell. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Here's what Paul says. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works... He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 4. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as a due. You circle that word, that's the same word as debt. Verse 5. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Verse 7. Then this comes from Psalm 32 that Bill read for us today. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. We owe a debt. And boy, is it blessed when that debt is no longer counted against us. How many people here have some debt? You don't have to confess publicly, but a lot of people are going, we've got a hand halfway or they're grinning real big. My, my nephew just recently bought a house. He's been living in this house. He's been renting it for the last uh, seven or eight months or so. Um, he just officially signed the mortgage today, They or this week. And he's he's proud. He's a newlywed. He's been married about a year, and now he has a new house. And I sent him a wonderful quote from a, uh, a baseball coach uh, from years ago who said, I like my baseball players married and in debt. It keeps them motivated. Amen. We know what debt is. It's something that we don't like. Amen. It's actually something that's not very biblical either when it comes to financial debt. But the same idea of debt here is this idea that we owe something. We all know what it means when we owe a debt. If you've got a car payment, if you've got a house payment, if you've got credit card debt, you understand the weight 
of what you owe. Amen? If you're paying attention. If you're not paying attention, then go, you just go out and build up more credit card debt and just life is free and you end up being dead and you didn't even realize that you were dead. The idea of debt here is something that is owed. Like in Romans chapter 4, verse 4, talking about the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. We have, everyone who has a job, the employer has a debt to you to pay you. Likewise, you have a debt to the employer to earn what they pay you. There is this idea of what is due. That's the idea that Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 is talking about as debts. The idea of an owned of an owed debt, something that is due is important to understanding that Jesus is teaching us about asking for forgiveness because when we ask for forgiveness, we understand the debt that we need to be forgiven for. Jesus is teaching in this petition of prayer in Matthew 6, 12 that all sinners owe God the Father a great debt, don't we? Without understanding what we owe, God the Father in our sin, it's going to be difficult to ask for forgiveness of our debts. So this petition in the Lord's Prayer reminds us that we're dependent upon God's forgiveness because we owe Him a debt that is too great for us to ever repay. Right? Forgive us our debts. Likewise, we're to forgive the debt or the offense of others who owe us. Anybody here have something that that somebody owes you? Whether it be money? Or just an offense? Has anybody here ever been offended by somebody else? How many of us in this room have ever offended others? Oh, never, right? When there is an offense, there is also a debt. Because Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 continues, in other words, forgive us our debts also, or as we also have forgiven our debtors. Matthew's gospel adds this clarifier to the message, to the prayer, Because if we're asking for God to forgive us our debts, but we don't turn around and and forgive others, (laughs) there's a problem there. Now, Paul addresses this idea of debt here in Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, a little bit further. When we look at verses 7 through 8, here's what it says. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. These are the words of David that Paul uses in Romans. David understood his debt that he owed God. And we see that in this beautiful psalm, Psalm 32. It's because Psalm 32 is a biblical prayer of repentance, asking for forgiveness. What does it say in in Psalm 32, verse 5? David writes this. He says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So transgressions are what we confess. These are the acts, the willing rebellion against the Lord, which leads to a debt that is owed. See, David asked for forgiveness of his transgressions. His transgressions are also what we call trespasses. So now that we understand what a debt is, let's understand what a trespass is. This idea of a trespass in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15 is the idea not of a debt owed, but of a transgression committed. The debt is the result of the transgression. 
In other words, when there's an offense or a grievance, there's a problem. Amen? And this is what splits people apart. It's what tears us apart from God. It's what tears us apart from one another. And unless that, for, unless that offense or that, that transgression is forgiven and dealt with, there is no harmony. There is no forgiveness. There is no moving forward. So clearly our, our sin against God here in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15, that's a transgression. Now, what is this? Look here at verse 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We can ask God for forgiveness all day long, but if we're harboring anger and resentment towards someone who has offended us, I think the words of Jesus are pretty clear, aren't they? God's not going to hear the prayer. He's not going to respond to it. Paul talks about this a lot in his letters. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, here's what he says. This is concerning secular lawsuits against the brethren. I want to remind you in this passage, Christians don't sue Christians. We don't take people to court. This is why when I heard in the news a couple of weeks ago, we had a gentleman at Liberty University who fell from grace. Uh, he's now suing the university for false dismissal, even though when you look at what he did, he was guilty. That's, that's totally against what I'm getting ready to read here. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, dealing with transgressions against one another and going to court. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. So this idea of transgression is talked about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul says when there is a grievance between you, when someone has offended you, you don't take them to court. You deal with it. Seek forgiveness. Amen? You don't take godly people and godly problems within godly peoples or within the church, you don't take that to the secular courts. You deal with it the way God wants you to deal with it, and that's between one another and Him. Now, when we're dealing with bearing one another's burdens, Galatians chapter 6, this is the same idea of transgressions as well. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourself, lest you be tempted. And we're going to look at temptation next week. Right? When, let's just admit that forgiveness is needed because something has gone wrong. Amen? Now, Abraham's faith was seen by God as righteous. That's what we saw in Romans chapter 4. What role does faith in the prayer have in forgiveness? Let's remember that faith in the forgiveness is important. We're going to wrap this up here. When we come, number one, we have to acknowledge when we pray this prayer, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There has to be a faith there that God will hear and answer the prayer. Anyone who prays for a material need who does not first believe that God will forgive sins, is actually lifting up a vain prayer. Let's remember that. See, because God does know our greatest needs. 
And what is the, the primary and chiefest need that we need, that we have? And that is the forgiveness of our sin and redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the number one need that we have. And this model prayer that Jesus gives us is actually a model prayer. It's a petitionary prayer. It's a prayer of what, how do we bring our needs to the Lord? I think this right here, this prayer, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, is the, is the key aspect of this model prayer. Without it, the whole prayer falls apart. Jesus models for us this prayer, that actually this fifth petition. Remember, the Lord's Prayer is made up of six petitions. This is the fifth one. It's not a secondary petition. It's the primary one. Because God's forgiveness is reflected in the fact that we have a need and this need of dependence on God to provide in all things. God provides forgiveness. Notice here in the model prayer, it's a prayer of, dear God, give us what we need, right? We acknowledge God's sovereignty and His holiness in verses 9 through 10. But then last week in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. We depend on God for our daily needs. How much more in verse 12 do we depend on God for the need of forgiveness? Amen? Because if we only pray to God for what we materially need, Dear God, give me a paycheck. Give me a house. Give me food. Oh, dear God, give me a husband. Dear God, give me a spouse. Dear God, give me this. Dear God, give me that. And we overlook this one prayer of, Dear God, forgive us our debts. We're forgetting the first need that we have. So in other words, this this requirement in Matthew 16, give us this day our daily bread, I think leads directly to the need of forgiveness of sin, our need of eternal life, our need of forgiveness of our sin, our need for eternal life over death. Because our our obedience to God, let's just make let's just confess here. Our obedience to God is never perfect. Yeah, Bill's humble. <laughs> Our obedience to God is never perfect. And so Jesus is teaching us to depend upon God even in our obedience. And if if our obedience is never perfect, we continually depend on God for His forgiveness of our sin. So this prayer here in verse 12 is a prayer of confession and repentance. But it's not a one-time prayer. We talked about this in our membership class this morning. We talked about before you become a member of a church, specifically Sovereign Grace Baptist Church, we ask that members are genuinely converted. What a mind-blowing concept. Wouldn't you think about that? Right, Jimmy? <laughs> and we, we wrestled with this a little bit. This, this is a good tie-in. We wrestled with this a little bit in our class today. How do we, number one, know that we're forgiven? How do we know that we're in the Spirit and not in the flesh? Are we genuinely converted? I would say that this prayer, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors, is not just a one-time salvation prayer when you're seven years old. It is a continual, daily, 24-7 attitude of prayer before God our Father. Amen? It's an ongoing prayer. 
It is a constant prayer of the life of the Christian because confession of sin is necessary in order for God to forgive us. And in the sense of restoring, it's not that that salvation has to be renewed every day. Let's make sure we clear that up. Because salvation is assured. And we see that very clearly in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. Our salvation in Christ is assured if we are genuinely forgiven. But the day-to-day relationship with God does require this model prayer. So there's a difference between salvation, which is assured, it's a one-time forgiveness, but the the day-to-day relationship with God is an ongoing need. Amen? doesn't mean that we'll lose our salvation, but it does mean our relationship, our day-to-day dependence upon God is a day-to-day prayer constantly, forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. It's kind of like this. If the husband leaves his socks on the floor on the honeymoon and he asks for forgiveness from his wife for leaving his dirty socks on the floor on the honeymoon, but then for 40 more years he continues to leave his socks on the floor. Well, I, I asked for your forgiveness 40 years ago, sweetheart. You see, It's a daily repentance and forgive me for offending you. Amen? Not that we're looking for day-to-day salvation, but we're looking to maintain that day-to-day connection with God. Amen? Because here's the thing. If we don't, then God, there will come a point when we have so much sin and grievance against the Lord built up and grievance against the Holy Spirit built up that God will say, I will no longer hear your prayer until you repent. Amen? Here's the thing. At the same time, if we're not forgiving one another, we're not going to have God's ear. Because in this part of Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, as we also have forgiven our debtors. I want you to remember this, going into verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. If we have offense uh, from someone else, if we have not let that go, if we have not forgiven someone for how they have offended us, how they've come against us, then God says, I will not forgive you. If we hold a grievance and we don't give that up to God and say, dear God, as you forgive me, I will forgive them. Then God will say, I will not answer your prayer. That's pretty direct. So my question is, if you are praying right now, if your relationship with with God seems very distant, There could be reasons for that. could be that God has withdrawn the awareness of His presence from you simply to cause you to depend on Him for a season. Or it could be that He has withdrawn His awareness of of His presence from you because there is unforgiven sin between you and someone else. And He's trying to get your attention. And He may say, come and deal with that. 
Whenever we come to the Lord's table, and we did this last week, right? First Sunday of the month. There is a call to examine yourself and to examine the body before you come to the table in an unworthy manner. Part of that examination is how much resentment do I have against others in the church, in the family of God, with my co-workers, whatever? Do I have resentment against you, dear God, that needs to be dealt with? There is an importance in dealing with sin in our prayers as God listens and as He responds. Since prayer presumes a relationship with God, it's not surprising here. Because if we've sinned against Him and grieved the Holy Spirit, as Ephesians chapter 4 says, uh, and the sin has not been forgiven, it interrupts our relationship with God. When we have grieved the Holy Spirit, that means we have trespassed against the Holy Spirit in some way or form, and it must be dealt with. Unless sin is forgiven and the relationship restored, prayer is going to be difficult at best. That's what Jesus is teaching us in His model prayer. If you've got unforgiven resentment against others or against God, God will not forgive your sin until you deal with it. Turn with me to Ephesians 4, and we're going to close with this. Ephesians chapter 4, because this makes it real clear. Ephesians chapter 4. And I promise this will be the last. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 30. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus because they were dealing with some of this clearly. It says here in verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And this is a, this is a gracious act of the Holy Spirit here. Think about this. Well, first of all, looking in verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, underline this, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption, I think that's language of assurance. You're forgiven. You're a genuine, converted child of God. So that's who this is speaking to, right? But if we grieve the Holy Spirit, it's because of what's coming next in verse 31. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God when we hold on to bitterness and wrath and anger and we stir up trouble and we slander each other. Those kind of sins against one another, those are offenses, those are transgressions, those are grievances in the body of Christ that have no room there at all. And when we allow those to fester, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, God makes it clear He will not listen to our prayer at all. Instead, here in verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why do we forgive one another? Because as God in Christ forgave you. If you are a 
sealed by God's Holy Spirit, child of God, redeemed and renewed and forgiven. You are that condition because God has forgiven you through Christ. And if that is the case, and we withhold that same act of forgiveness to others, there's a problem. Matter of fact, uh, the Apostle John in 1 John uh, tells us that if you are not obeying God in love, if you're not loving one another, that is a sign of not loving God. And I would say that's a good sign of are you a genuinely converted Christian or not? Something to ponder. So how do we apply this? I'm not trying to get political, but for obvious reasons this week, let's just make it clear that the news media and, our, and, and, the new, and everything that everybody's talking about is who they hate, who they don't trust, who has offended me, and who has stolen an election. There's no room for that in God's house. There's no room for that in God's people. Because if we hold on to that kind of foolishness, I think God is going to withhold His answered prayer, our daily prayer, forgive us our debts. (laughs) Is there someone in your life, a a family member, a co-worker, a sibling, could have been just somebody at the grocery store in the checkout line that cut you off or something? I don't know. People hold grievances for all kinds of foolish stuff, don't we? I'm as guilty of it as anybody. I will hold a grievance against somebody who offended me for something that when you look back on it, you say, why in the world was I upset to begin with? (laughs) Amen. I think this prayer of forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors is an aspect of prayer that Jesus wants us to know because without it, prayer is meaningless. Amen. Likewise, those who ask for forgiveness of sin and don't genuinely want God to forgive them, they just want to say the words, that's not an act of genuine conversion. The Holy Spirit will not be changing who you are. Likewise, we have to genuinely forgive others. That's an amazing, powerful thing, isn't it? As we close out here, I want, I want to go into an attitude of prayer, but I want this to be a time where if God is dealing with you, if something in, in, in God's Word today has stirred up a revealed grievance that you have against someone else, or someone else has offended or grieved you, and you've not let that go, you've not forgiven them, or maybe someone needs to forgive you. I'm going to let God's Holy Spirit deal with you. He's going to deal with me too. He's going to deal with us all. I want to pray, but I want us to go into uh, an attitude of silence as well. This is one thing in the evangelical church that we don't practice often enough. And this is a, a prayer of silence. <laughs> because we fill up our minds with too much noise. Amen. I want to. I want to. I want to come to the Lord collectively, communally in prayer. But I want this to be an honest time of reflection for you, between you and God. And then we'll close out our time together. Okay. Let's pray. 
Dear Father God, we thank You for, first of all, Your Son Jesus Christ who, who paid the debt that we owe You. And unless we recognize that we have offended You in our sin, then our prayer for forgiveness is, is meaningless. But Lord, we, we offend You every day. And so God, we continually ask that You forgive us because we owe You a great debt. But dear God, I also pray that You would give us the strength and the power to forgive others. It is the adversary, the accuser, Satan himself, who continually stirs up within us memories of offense and aggressions, and we cannot overcome them. And so even in this prayer, Lord, we are depending on You to teach us and to help us forgive others as well. So Lord, we, we, this is a prayer of dependence. This is We come to You, Father, all of us, depending on You in this moment. We depend on You in all things. And dear God, please forgive us. And so God, right now, I pray that Your Spirit would fill this room. And whoever You need to deal with in a particular way, Lord, I pray that You would do so. And I pray, God, that we would receive the illumination of Your Holy Spirit within us and that we would receive Your, your godly wisdom and sovereign power. Lord, this moment is for You. Please work as we sit and we just contemplate in silence Your awesome, gracious, loving forgiveness. Your precious Holy Father, we thank You. You have given us Your Son, Jesus Christ. You have given us the very presence of Yourself. And so, Father, we are so unworthy of that presence and that gift. I pray, God, that You would constantly bring us into a remembrance of our sin as we need forgiveness, not as condemnation daily, but Father, as a reminder to us of our dependence upon You. I pray for Your mercies upon everyone in this room. And I pray, God, that You would walk with us daily and that You would constantly hold us and that Your Holy Spirit would guide us and that Your Son, Jesus Christ, would reign over us. I pray, God, for your protection over not just individuals in this room, but our community, our country, our world. Forgive us, Father, where we fail each other. And please forgive us, especially when we fail you. It is in Christ's name we ask all of this. 
Amen. Amen. God bless you. Now, that silence was just about a minute and a half. How many of you would like to uh, sit and pray in silence for like hours? Has anybody ever done that? That is an amazing, powerful discipline if you ever want to try to do that sometime. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Um, Let's close with one more hymn. Amen.